it's more difficult when you get higher because the stakes are higher and you have more people in your charge and there's more uh, responsibility, but the, the, the context is larger. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSB Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Have you ever been fascinated by other professionals within your own field and that you want to learn more about their success? You want to hear their story. You want to know what they do to stay on the edge. What methodology? approach are they taking to support their clients? It is the old adage of iron sharpening iron. That's what I believe. So we're thrilled today with our next guest. Jim Frawley is an executive coach, organizational consultant, and he is the CEO of Bellwether Hub, helping organizations maximize their efficiency and elevate growth. He's also an author, a keynote speaker, and a fellow podcaster with a program by the same name, Bellwether Hub. This is going to be an exciting conversation. I can't wait to learn more about Jim and his focus. Jim, welcome to Twins Talk It Up. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to tell you more about all that stuff. It's going to be great. Awesome. This is Danny. And so from time to time, David and I, whoever's speaking, will let the audience know um, on on your favorite podcast channel. So Jim, tell us a little bit about your leadership journey and what led you to begin Bellwether Hub. Perhaps uh, touch on the story behind the name as well. Yeah, so um, the the behind the name, I have a daughter named Isabel, and I have a a friend whose mother is a marketing genius. She's a real estate agent, and I was trying to come up with the name of the business. It was just Frawley Coaching, which is you know boring. And she said you have to do something with your daughter's name in it. And we were shooting around ideas and everything, and then driving home, the word bellwether popped into my mind, which is you know leading without knowing you're leading, and and all of that. So. Um, it's named after my daughter, Isabel. Um, so that's where the name Bellwether came from. My leadership journey, I spent about 20 years in the corporate world. Uh, I started in radio, didn't pay any money, did corporate training, traveled around the world doing that, um, got me stuck in Omaha, Nebraska. So to get out of Omaha, Nebraska, the only way back to the East Coast was to work in the financial industry. And so uh, I did a number of years in the financial industry, um, executive communications, business strategy, and it never really jazzed me in any kind of way. So I actually went to a coach and put together a few business plans. And uh, as I was doing the business plans, I said, you know what? I want to, I want to do that. So that was it. Never look back. This is David. And I'm excited to hear you share about your story. And I love how the inspiration behind wanting to get the show together, the name of the company, all around Isabel. My, we have a little niece, her name is Isabel, and I love that. And what was really intriguing about even this whole concept of bellwether and just putting the, the bell on what you would, I guess, consider the lead uh, sheep. And in some ways hearing the bell, 
is one way to say following. It's a trend. It's a way to kind of guide uh, through the entire process of let's not just be sheep, right? We're actually guiding leadership. And, and I love how you've kind of tied that into your practice that you're really guiding leadership. And in that, before we get to your, your business, by the way, I also hear that you have a, a passion for running. So I'm looking at this like, what doesn't this man do? But you have a passion <laughs> for running. You've actually completed an Ironman. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, just to confess to everybody out here, our listening audience, I've never been able to get into running. I've despised the discipline necessary. The, 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 the sense that my friends have told me, my, the, the friends of my life that have been runners, oh, there's a peace behind it, Dave. You'll love it. It's like you're going to bear fruit down the road. You're going to see the benefits. I don't like, no, I'm in. I'm seeing pain. All I experience is pain. And so I have a good friend of mine who's a cross-country runner, and, and still to this day, he, he runs these half marathons. God knows why he does it. But he wanted to take me running, and I foolishly said yes. And let me tell you what happened. About a half a mile into the run, in my mind, I thought, I'm either going to trip him or I'm going to just fall and hurt myself because I can't keep up. I can't do this. And I, I, I endured. But I'll tell you how I knew I was going to get in sales because I convinced him to enjoy running on his own and to get on the bike and we would just go biking. And guess what? He ended up doing it and we ended up biking, but I can never get into it. What, what is it about running that you enjoy and why have you competed these, completed these marathons? Why did you do the Ironman and what does that have to do with coaching and helping leaders? Yeah, it's a loaded question and it's great. So the first thing I would say is I used to hate running. <laughs> whenever anybody wants to get fed, the first thing they think about is, oh, I got to go run. I'll go run on a treadmill and do whatever. And I used to not be able to go more than maybe a half a mile before I was winded and it was all done. And so what I realized over time as I was trying to do it, um, there are almost three ways, three steps in order to learn how to be a runner. First, you have to pick something to do it and you have to commit to it. Then you actually have to learn how to do it. I didn't know how to run, which sounds crazy. But by watching other people, I was running too hard. So I didn't slow my pace down. My form was off. You know, you should run on the balls of your feet, not your heel first. Like all of those types of things where all of a sudden, you know, once I started running, I saw a lady running with on her toes and I noticed it. I started practicing it and I just started flying. I was able to go like 10 times the distance. I was like, wow, I was just doing this incorrectly. And so once you learn how to do it, then you can learn to love it. And you learn to love it by, you know, practicing it and everything else. And now, a 10 mile run is just, you know, it's my perfect morning. Uh, I do plenty of thinking. It's where I do all my thinking. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to do it. Um, and then, so the story for the Ironman in terms of what it has to do with leadership, you know, we, we sign up for all these silly things. I don't know if I'll ever do another Ironman, but you know, I was, I just find these psycho things to do and crazy things to do. And, you know, I, I mostly, my motivation to do it is just to see if I can do it. It's not like it's anything, um, you know, you're really curious about, can I do a half marathon? Can I do a 10K? Can I do an Ironman? Can I do a Tough Mudder? Whatever it is. And, you know, I would slowly challenge myself. Um, and so you just want to see if you could do it. I don't train very diligently for it. I generally do the bare minimum just to see, you know, it's probably not the best way to do it, but I do the bare minimum just to see if I could finish, but I will always make sure I finish. And uh, there's a commitment aspect to it and setting targets and setting goals and working through it. And it's an ongoing, what I love about an Ironman is you have to do it yourself. You can't buy an Ironman. You can't buy someone to do it for you. You can't, I mean, that is pure commitment over an extended period of time. You have one day to do it. You have to do it in a certain amount of time. 
Um, so to be able to do it is, is, you know, nobody could take that away from you. So that was my big uh, push for that. Now I got to figure out what's next because I've done an Ironman. I don't know what the next one is. But we'll <laughs> this is Danny. Well, we, uh, we've had a, several people that have climbed peaks around the world. You can get on that with them. We're actually six months of training just to be able to climb one of these peaks. So if that's something you want to try to do next. <laughs> might be next. It might be, I had a friend, there's, a, there's a marathon you could do in Colorado where they give you a donkey. You got to bring a donkey with you. And so we might do that, right? Because the donkey's not going to listen to you. So I don't know what that kind of thing is, but we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> Put a carrot on your uh, water pack. That's right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, this is Danny. Um, recently, David and I released a book, and it's called Talk It Up, A Guide to Successful Public Speaking. Now, we are going to let the audience know that you are also an author. And in your book, it's called Adapting in Motion, Finding Your Place in the New Economy. That's a very interesting title. And you, you state that leaders can make a change or adapt to change unless they are doing what? Truly reading, writing, and willing. And so it's very important that a leader has this type of characteristic. When I think about the mindset that you had to do this Ironman, when I think of the mindset you had who didn't know how to run and you figured it out, that's awesome mindset. And the leaders also have to have a mindset. So why does this resonate? And why can this be more difficult the higher you move up the corporate ladder when you have more responsibility and a higher title? Yeah, it's, high, it's, it's more difficult when you get higher because the stakes are higher mm -hmm. and you have more people in your charge and there's more uh, responsibility, but the, the, the context is larger, right? When you go up and you're an individual contributor at an organization, that's fine. Your world is very small. When you get a team, it's a little bit bigger, but it's still very small within that context. When you get up to senior levels, Suddenly now you're enterprise wide, you're focused across the board, you're looking at macro industry and everything else. And, and really what, what I thought about, and, and this was my challenge when I was working in corporate, was how do you adapt to change when you don't know what change is coming? Because we're constantly changing all of the time, right? And, it's, and, and most of our challenges, the reason change management doesn't work, a lot of these initiatives fail, is because we're so focused on the change external where the only way to respond to macro change is to focus on the, the micro individual and how they're actually responding to those difficult moments. So you're much more visible at a higher level. Uh, the higher you are in an organization, you have more people working towards you or working for you. So the, the stakes are just higher for them at that moment. And so this was a lot of what I wish I knew when I was in corporate, when I was leading people. And I mean, if I went back to corporate today, it would be a, a very different story, <laughs> very different story based on all I've learned becoming a coach and, and all of that. We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSP Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. 
Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is David. I'm going to jump in here, and and I appreciate just even the way you mentioned that the higher up you go, the reason why it's more challenging. And it's so true. It can feel like it's lonely at the top. And the reality is you do have a lot of responsibilities. You do have a lot that's on your plate, but it doesn't have to be that way. You make a great point about stepping back, talking about the micro focus versus the macro focus. And it reminds me of the the, the way you're getting these safety uh, principles given to you whenever you go on a plane and they tell you that if they're, in case of emergency, put on your oxygen mask first, then put on the mask of those around you because you got to be able to take care of yourself. You can't just say, I'm going to take care of everybody else. But there are a lot of us in leadership that struggle with this concept of we love to serve or we feel this, this need to want to go help everybody else. And that is our job, but we can't really take the time to just stop and help ourselves. And so what do you do to really help leaders to just say, time to push the pause, it's time to push the pause. You've got to put on your mask first. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's really taking that ethical philosophy and turning it on its head is what I like, the way I like to say it is, you know, ethical philosophy says that you should take care of others in order to take care of yourself. By helping others, you become a better individual yourself. But I would argue, you know, you've got it backwards where, you know, you can't help other people until you're appropriately selfish and take care of yourself to make yourself the best. And so focusing on you, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether it's socially and having a network in, in place, the, the components are there. And that's really your fundamental work at the beginning is to start on yourself before you're able to really best help other people. We all have a desire to help. Some people don't want to be helped. You can't do it. But by focusing on yourself, then you're able to help people in, in the best possible way. This is Danny. I love that. And you talked about something that was really cool. You got to help yourself first. Got to be a little selfish. And, uh, and I think about that. It really is profound that we believe somehow, some way that by bettering ourselves, it's, it's wrong. Right. right. That we have to sacrifice for our, everyone else around us first. And I've, I've lived my life like that for a long time. I love the, uh, I love the fact that it's a mindset. Sh- it's a mindset shift right there. Just by saying, hey, you got to better yourself, take care of yourself. You have to put yourself in a position so that you can take care of other people. And you can't do that if you don't take care of yourself first. So that's a mindset. So let's take that and make it for the whole organization. How can leaders, the leaders you're working with, how do you help them with their mindset in order to adapt, in order to take on this challenge? Because, you know, as you said, the higher you go, the more responsibility you get, this enterprise you're taking care of. Okay, now that I have this enterprise, how are you going to help me with my mindset? So I can take it to the next level and, and help this organization evolve even faster. Yeah, most of the work I do, um, and they wouldn't admit it, my clients, but most of my clients would probably admit that one of the big things we work on is really insecurity. Mm. And it's the visibility of, you know, what do people, what are people seeing when they look at me? And insecurity is, it's everywhere. And, and it's just so damaging to your organization and to you. 
So a lot of the work we do is really exploring individual words. What do they mean? And what narrative have we assumed or bought into that really isn't necessarily valid anymore? Like words like selfishness are not bad words, right? There's an appropriate level of selfishness that's not damaging to other people. Words like humility are misinterpreted. We talk about how everybody needs to be a humble leader, but I've had so many clients talk to me, well, I didn't want to speak up because, you know, I didn't want to take credit for that because I wanted to be humble. I say, you've completely misinterpreted the meaning of humility, right? And so we're, we're being too shy and we're, we're, we're holding ourselves back based on what we think we're supposed to be doing. And so when we think about elevating to that level and getting leaders to execute, getting them ready for the C-suite, taking ownership, accountability, the one I love to do is just work on their belief system. How are you getting comfortable mm-hmm. with yourself? What do you actually believe so that you can comfortably speak about it and recognize it objectively and then make good sound decisions based on whatever conversation you're having. This is Danny again. We thought about this pandemic as a time where business is starting to, uh, to fall backwards, but it's actually an opportunity for business to invest in training, to invest in coaching, to actually move forward. What better time to take an, an individual who's gonna to transition to the C-suite uh, to work with you or to work on their mindset, to work on their belief system, to work on the words that we thought were taboo, but they're actually not negative. They're actually positive words in order to put, put us in the best position to take care of our new enterprise, if that makes sense. So I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. And so when you think about this pandemic that was uh, taking place, how have you been able to help organizations realize the need to invest in more training, more education, and more coaching to support their own employees so that they can take advantage and ride, hopefully ride the new wave that should be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, two ways. It's um, one, I, I talk a lot with my clients about value. Yeah. Um, and I don't take clients until we pick an end date, we pick an ROI measurement, and I give the money back if we don't hit the ROI measurement. So everything has to be around, look, everybody's got to be held accountable. The person being coached has to be held accountable. I have to be held accountable. You as the organization, you're paying the bill. You have to be held accountable. That's your accountability. So through accountability, we can articulate the value of coaching. And that's one aspect. But then the other is, you know, there's, again, the words and the mindset of what's training, what's coaching. There's a misinterpretation on what it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm turning complete learning and development organizations on their heads in terms of what are you training people to do? What are you coaching them to do, right? We're, we're, we want to coach people how to make good decisions. We want to train people on understanding big picture and little picture and the efficacy of how to make progress within a, a larger context. So we're completely rewriting what it means to be coaching and teaching people within the organization because the world has changed. I mean, most learning and development programs are PowerPoint presentations from the late 90s. Like it's completely outdated talking about Jack Welch and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, it's, it's no longer relevant. And so most people sitting through these things in the organization are just, oh, this gives me a break from the work. I could get out of the office, change a scene, whatever, you know, take the pressure off. Uh, but there's no measurement in terms of how are you changing behavior? What behavior are you looking to change? And so that's what makes it really fun. The companies who commit to that, they're going to come out of this pandemic and, and they're already looking at 2023, 2024 in a much more positive light to be much more successful. This is David and Jim, I appreciate you sharing that. And both of us are in similar lines of work. I know my twin brother, Danny, works more with the MSP tech sector and he's always coaching. He's training at the C-suite level. 
I get in there and I take my approach a little differently. And, and I, I think something that you do, and I've heard you share this in some of your other programs, you talk about the spirit of curiosity. Yeah. You know, so many of us in our nature want to fix. We want to solve. And so we're looking for the wrong. We're looking for the solution. Instead of letting our clients learn to identify and in a way self-discover and then help them to be able to put themselves in a position where they're the heroes of their story. So can you talk about in your work how curiosity and intentional listening are keys to unlocking growth for your clients? Yeah. So from a coaching perspective, you know, we all have this inclination to fix other people's problems. We want to solve problems. We want to be helpful. We want to be relevant. We have all this desire to, to be recognized for greatness and, and all of that. But as a coach, you can't do it, right? You can't do it for your clients. Uh, because they're not going to change the behavior. And we learn from pain, we learn from difficult choices, and we learn from actually doing things. I could tell you how to do a PowerPoint presentation, but if you sit and do it yourself, all of a sudden you've learned it in a very different kind of way. So curiosity mindset and asking questions, I talk a lot about the difference between adults and children. When we become adults, we are taught that we have to have the answers. We are taught that we have to, you know, we'll make some kind of bogus answer up if we don't have the right answer and we'll hope that we don't get caught out and it drives the insecurity and everything else. But when you look at kids, they don't care about having the right answer because they're curious. And that's why kids are so happy. Kids are constantly learning. And so, you know, one of the great examples I ever heard about what's a question mm -hmm. is a question is a legitimate request for information where you don't know the answer. And most people don't think about questions that way as adults. Right, we, we ask judgmental questions, we're not learners, we're very judgmental as individuals. Why'd you do that? And yada, yada, it's not a question. So to learn how to ask objective questions, separating logic from emotion, separating individuals from whatever the challenge is at hand, all of a sudden your work progress, your team progress, everything by separating the two of them and putting just the challenge in front of you and co-creating a solution, that's what we do as coaches. Uh, and it completely changes the way that people work and it's going to elevate you and put people behind you and, and get everyone incredibly motivated to take ownership and solve whatever challenge it is in front of us. This is David again, and I want to follow up on that, if you don't mind, Jim. But before we do that, if you're listening to this program and you are enjoying the content and you really are gaining from the visitors we bring on, make sure you subscribe and follow our program. You can look into our workshops. You can look into our books. We definitely are excited by incredible leaders like Jim joining the program. Uh, Jim, I want to ask you a, kind of a follow-up here. There are a lot of organizations that are investing, as you mentioned earlier, into bringing experts like yourself and my company into their organization to teach on this, to train on this. We're coaching the C-suite members on how to even communicate with the people that they lead. But from a more practical, if we get granular in this, what advice can you give managers, uh, perhaps maybe they're younger managers or they're newer to leading teams, what advice can you give them to avoid that temptation of wanting to go down the road and fix, or as you mentioned earlier, they already quote unquote know the answer to the question they're gonna ask, how do you help them to learn to guide their employees to get the best out of them versus quote unquote telling them what to do? I would say first, uh, the way to do it is through good questions, right? So when we think about how to get someone to come to self-realization in motivating individuals is we try to get them to articulate whatever it is we wish to articulate. There's so many times I'm sitting across from my client and I know the answer 
and it pains me to not tell them the answer, but you're just asking them questions to say, not leading questions, just legitimate, open-ended, objective questions, reflective questions, whatever it is. There are processes that you could follow in terms of questioning. One of the favorite ones I do um, is called ORID, objective questions, reflective questions, interpretive and decisional questions. Objectively, what are we looking to solve? Reflectively, have you ever done it before? Interpretive, what does that mean today? And then decisions, what action are you going to take? You can bring people on a communication process through questions that's going to completely change your relationship with the individual. It takes the emotion out of it. And when we think about fundamental communication models, how communication works, oftentimes we're so focused on sending information. We're not so much focused on how the other end is receiving that information or interpreting that information. And that's an incredibly important focus. And your obligation as a communicator is to say, I'm going to send out this 120 character tweet how is it going to be received on the other end? And that's you know one step a little too far that most people don't quite take the time to, to understand. So when you're thinking about your team, it's thinking about how is the audience going to interpret what it is that I'm asking, what it is, what's the context, my context and their context, and understanding both to make sure the, the conversation is fruitful. That's fantastic. This is Danny. And what I want to let our audience know is that Fortune 500 companies are hiring executive coaches between 25 to 40% of them. And that is a great insight that you should probably do the same thing. According to the Harvard Business Review, there's an article that said, uh, leaders see personal involvement in the development of talent as an essential activity for business success. You know, we all know that story about the CEO and the CFO, where the CEO goes, oh my gosh, what if we train people and they leave? And the CFO says, what if we don't train them and they stay? And so there, there is a need for you in the audience today to realize that you need coaching, that you need the opportunity to improve and to train. We believe it's very, very vital. And so there's also research that supports this. There's research that's saying coaching significantly increases performance, well-being, coping, and work attitudes. You do not want to go to a work environment and it's chaotic. You want to go to a work environment where it's inviting, it's fun. And at the end of the day, you are valued for what you do. So go out and get the coaching. You know, that's very important. I used to coach football. I coached football for high school football for five years. I coached community college for one year. And I was going to continue to coach community college. And that's when my wife put her foot down and said, you continue to coach, we won't be married uh, because of the time commitment it took in order to coach football. So we identified these kids and we figure out that we want kids that are coachable. We want people that are coachable. We can, we can basically meld them to be the best that they can be to help them to understand everything about the sport so that they can be the best. And I'm sure that, you know, you as well, Jim, when you're working with your clients, you want coachable clients. Yeah. You want clients that see the need. They might be a star. They might be a rising star. They might be the best player on the team but they still need to be able to be coached. So tell us a little bit how you help create this coaching mindset culture within organizations, because the last thing I want to do is walk into an organization and they're paying me, but yet they don't want to be coached. Right, right, yeah. Um, and I won't take those clients. Um, so I, I feel like once you get to a certain level in an organization, executive coaching is just table stakes. Right. And it doesn't have to be a forever engagement. Most of my engagements are six months or less. I don't want an extended engagement. I don't think there should be this like ongoing monthly retainer. Um, 
some clients, if that's what they really need, then we could talk about it. But the program is generally, you know, focused. We have to, in order for coaching to work, the individual has to one, be open to coaching and two, be willing to do the work. And that's the obligation of us as coaches is to properly set up the engagement to make sure that all the parameters are set in place. Uh, everybody understands their commitments, their obligations. What, you know, what are we looking to accomplish? How do we know that we're going to be successful? All of this has to be lifted up. And then also there has to be that accountability factor. If an organization's paying 10, 20, 30, $40,000 to coach you, you're going to have to report back some kind of ROI to say, this investment in me is worth it. So I'll work with my clients and say, how are you articulating this value back to, to the organization? And how can we articulate that value to everybody else? So um, we have to make sure, you know, you can't change somebody or help them change behavior if they're not open to, to making the change themselves, because they have to make the change. We can't make the change for them. I love that. This is Danny again. And you're absolutely correct. We cannot make that change for them. They have to be willing to do it themselves. I also like the fact that you're, you have this opportunity and you can tell the client the answer, but you got it. They have to struggle through it. And that's yep. really the only way to learn. And you said that sometimes when you are a child, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to learn. But sometimes as an adult, you feel like you have to have all the answers. You don't. Uh, and so now that you, you put your foot down and I love this, and I want to let our audience know, you have to understand what brings you joy. You have to figure yep. out what your best type of client is and only work with those type of clients. The last thing you want to do is take on a client and then bring your own joy down. And then that affects the way you work. And when you come home to your own family, that affects them. They didn't do anything to you. <laughs> so please only take clients that bring you joy. So what are some of the greatest joys you've experienced working with incredibly confident and successful leaders? Tell us, tell us an example. Tell us a success story. Yeah, I would. Um, so I completely agree with that. I tell all my clients, um, and I mean in the nicest way possible, I hope I never speak to you again. Right. Because you should be coaching people to coach themselves and everybody's situation is similar, but different. Right. They all want to work on some kind of executive presence or they all yeah. want to be ready for the C-suite or they all want to you know, help me put together a strategic plan, whatever it is. My favorite success story was um, not actually from my client, it was from his wife who took me out to coffee and started crying about how much his home life changed, mm. which was bananas. And so he was focused on time management. He was focused on all of these different types of things that he said, look, I'm just overwhelmed. He was a COO of, a, of a, an HR firm. And so his wife sent me a note. I just want, you know, the engagement had ended and we met for coffee in Connecticut. And she just said, I just want to thank you. And she like tears in her eyes. He's taking the kids out now for the weekends. His time has changed. And, you know, he realized, she realized, I realized it had nothing to do with time management or work. It was about giving himself the availability to focus on his family and getting his work stuff in order so he could focus on his home life. And so yeah. that was always one of my favorites. I mean, I always remember that when she went out uh, to coffee for me and, and talked about how much it, it just changed the home life. We never talked about home. We only <laughs> talked about work, but it ended up changing all, all that other stuff. Yeah, Jim, this is David, and I love that. And to me, the greatest joy in working with my clients is not just seeing the production, the efficiency, the changes at the workplace, but seeing that their personal life has changed, that they've taken that mindset from work and the principles we've talked about and they've taken it into a personal life. So that's really inspiring to hear that this incredible spouse, this spouse saw that change. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Jim, I want to talk about podcasting a little bit. For our listening audience out there, we mentioned earlier that Jim is also a podcaster with a program entitled Bellwether Hub. 
I particularly enjoyed a few of your episodes, and I'll tell you a couple of them that really stood out to me, and and one that you did recently talking about turning believability into a skill. I thought that was awesome. I love that. That was incredible. I enjoyed the episode you had with um, Suzanne Tedrick. Your title was after the name of her book, Women of Color in Tech. And uh, by the way, I, I saw that. I said, I've got to instantly get her on my program because my twin brother and a few of his friends started a nonprofit helping black business owners navigate the incredibly challenging and vast technology ecosystem. And she would be an incredible guest for that. And then you had an episode where you covered Ted Lasso. And I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of this thing where I don't know if Dan even watches Ted Lasso, but I love Ted Lasso. I've really enjoyed it. I know you are a recent convert. I, I guess I'll say it that way to Ted Lasso. But but you talked a little bit about just the angle of corporate culture. You got the old versus the new, the kind of the old mindset versus the new mindset. You have this guy who's never coached uh, football or what we call football in the world and, and soccer here in the United States. And yet he comes from this winning culture, winning in, in college football. And now he's coming over there and all he has is a spirit of optimism, right? And yet he's making up for his deficiencies. And yet a lot of us as leaders, we could try to do the same thing. But but what was it about this program that stood out to you? What is it about these episodes that you're learning about yourself? I'm not just talking about Ted Lasso. I'm talking about your podcast. What are you learning about yourself from these guests you're bringing on and this whole journey of podcasting? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Yeah, the journey of, first of all, Suzanne is awesome. So totally reach out to Suzanne. Um, Ted Lasso is the ultimate metaphor for cor corporate <laughs> culture. It's just an example. It's a pure metaphor. The entire episode, watch it with, or the entire series, watch it through the lens. If you're looking to change your corporate culture, the optimism doesn't always solve it. He's actually got strategy behind it, but um, it's amazing. But what I love about the podcast, doing the podcast, my favorite job I ever had was working in radio. I had a radio mm. show in DC. It was syndicated. It was great. Never paid any money. So I stopped doing it. Um, but I always wanted to get back. And now, you know, with technology and everything else, you could just do it. So it really just started with a few friends 
interviewing them because everybody, I feel like everybody has a good story to tell. Yes. Right. Everybody has something interesting to talk mm. about and whatever it is, you know, it could be anything. So my first one, I think was my buddy, Dennis, who I used to work in radio with uh, talking about how he does lean at work, but he's incorporated lean processes into his house to get his kids ready for school. And I'm like, that's amazing. Why not talk about it? Um, but it evolved over time, less on guests, more on me talking philosophically about what I believe. And so the exercise of going through my weekly podcast is really kind of articulating what it is I believe or wish to find out more about. Mm. So um, it was very busy during the pandemic, right? Going through so much change, macro change, focus on the micro individual. What do I actually believe? What am I exploring? How am I responding? How could this be relevant to other people going through something similar uh, and difficult times that they're dealing with? But then also other times of just, you know what? I just saw Ted Lasso. This would be amazing to talk. You know, I'll talk to clients about it and they'll just say, that's amazing. And they'll get bought in. And so I'll say, I'll just do a podcast on it. So um, generally, I, now more and more people are just saying, would you do a topic on this? Would you do a topic on this? Um, and so, sure. And, you know, I'll think about it. So it's kind of fun to, to watch it evolve. But it's more of um, more of the podcast. I mean, it's for me. Mm -hmm. I do it so that I can articulate my thoughts. I don't sell advertising on it. I don't do any of that stuff. It's more about for me, for my clients. Um, I don't do crazy stuff with it. It's more of just, you know, I think this is going to be value. It's valuable to me. And, and I hope you could pick up what I'm putting down. And that's what makes it fun. It, it's so much fun. That's why I do it each week. Yeah, this is David, and I love that. And I think for Dan and I, we are similarly, I think you're at episode 107, and we have crossed the 100 mark ourselves recently. And we're learning so much about our own growth in terms of what we're going after, what we've been seeing and learning from an incredible guest. I just love hearing their story. I love the unique angle. I love finding out things about them that no one's ever asked before, because it's it, they're used to ask being asked questions, used to being on these platforms, and yet I want this to be their best experience. And so I've loved that that platform. I love having that voice to be able to say, what's your story? What is it about you that's so unique that I can share that with the world? And so I really appreciate you you bringing that out, Jim. And and so much of what we do is is it really is about our own growth and putting together these stories, putting together these episodes. It, it's to benefit our listeners so that they know that we're, we're, we're relevant. We're, we're putting something out there that's relatable. Um, I want to ask you this, Jim, what's next? We talked about all that you've done from radio to writing, to running, to podcasting, to coaching and training at the corporate level. What's next? What are you working on right now? What, what are you willing to share with our audience about your work at Bellwether Hub or something new that you're about to bring on? You know, I've struggled with that. And it's been a struggle over the past, I would say, probably year. I'm doing good work, but I'm always struggling with what's, you know, next. And I had kind of a, um, just kind of a moment where I decided or realized it's been fun to see if I can do things. It's fun to see if I could do an Ironman. It's fun to see if I can launch a business. It's fun to see if I could write a book. And I've done it. I could do all of these things. Now my focus is how can I do it and be really good at it? And so now it's more about focusing internally on myself. You know, how do I completely change my coaching model into something that's going to be so dynamic that helps so many people in the most real way? Um, that's my focus there. How can I write a book that's just going to change the way people think about whatever it is that they have to think about? And I'm working on that now. So um, 
you know, maybe I run a marathon with donkeys. I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that. But, um, but that's, you know, it, it's everything changes so quickly. Everything's so transitory and everything's so, you know, transactional um, that you lose the value of things. And so now just doing something is fine. Now I just want to do it really, really well. I want to do something that's got real value. Um, and I do things that have value, but you know, better, right? We just, we can always be better and we can always be more unique and challenged and, and everything else. So, um, I, I want to just continue to challenge myself in that kind of way. That's awesome. This is Danny. And I think, uh, you'll have to give an audience an update. Uh, if you do that race with a donkey, <laughs> I will, I definitely will. Yeah. I have a buddy. He's crazy. His name's Larry. He found it. And I, if it's going to happen, Larry's going to do it with me. So, Hey, we all need that one friend who's a little bit, uh, <laughs> unique because sometimes right. uh life can get quite um unexciting without that person around us you everybody uh, everybody needs their own personal life that's right Definitely. <laughs> well this is danny and uh, uh jim we want to thank you for joining us today we want to let our audience know that if they want to find out more about you they want to be able to book you they want to find out more about your work they want to learn more about your podcast the first place to go is to bellwetherhub.com also go check out the podcast same name pick up his book adapting in motion, finding your place in the new economy, because I think those are great, valuable resources for you to help you grow. Jim, on behalf of my identical twin brother and I, we are grateful to have you on our Twins Talking Up podcast. We want to let our audience know, focus on their mindset, focus on your training, focus on your education, be coachable, and then go make it a great day. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talking Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.